tangible, how the climate crisis has already impacted our lives and what you can do about it. So tune in every Friday at 9 o'clock a.m. right here on WPFW 89.3, your jazz and justice station. Greetings, I'm Maimuna Youssef, and this is WPFW Washington, your station for jazz and justice. February 28th, WPFW celebrates 47 years of speaking truth to power, powered by the people. In celebration and commemoration of those whose shoulders this station stands on, we present Freedom Highway, a salute to SNCC, Dory Ladner, and 47 years of Jazz and Justice Radio. From 5 a.m. until midnight, we will illuminate and interrogate the work and legacy of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee and the pivotal role many SNCC members played in the creation of WPFW. We will also be honoring one of SNCC's beloved Daughters of the Movement, Dory Ladner. That's Freedom Highway, a salute to SNCC, Dory Ladner, and 47 years of Jazz and Justice Radio. This Wednesday, February 28th, 5 a.m. until midnight. WPFW, Building a Better World, one broadcast at a time. And welcome to Heal DC and welcome to our Freedom Highway today. We are definitely thankful and looking forward to an all-day celebration Wednesday, as Katia just said, from 5 a.m. till midnight, celebrating SNCC and our sister, my sister, my dear friend, Chuck's dear friend, Dory Ladner. We're going to be on for two hours uh, sometime that day, but we're encouraging everybody to listen. Today is our Black History Month special, the last Monday in February, and we're going to be spending a great deal of the hour honoring our Mr. Black History, none other than Chuck Hicks, for his birthday. <laughs> we're going to be uh, Chuck is going to be telling us some highlights of his life. We're going to be joined by uh, Frank Smith in a little bit, uh, who is also a SNCC veteran. And um, so we're looking forward to celebrating Chuck's birthday and hearing about all the special things happening. But we are also very excited to be honoring D.C.'s Harriet Tubman Day coming up this Saturday. And we have, we have someone none other than Harriet Tubman's descendant, Tina Wyatt, uh, joining us to tell us about Harriet Tubman, D.C. Harriet Tubman Day and more happening this Saturday. Welcome, Tina. Is Tina on? On? I can't. I, someone help me out if Tina's uh, coming on or not. I'm unmuted. I don't know why Yay. it's not coming through. Okay, okay, don't worry. I hear you now. So, okay. welcome, Tina. Tina, let's start out by you telling us your relationship to your Aunt Harriet. Well, I am her uh, three times great grandniece, uh, and how I'm related is that my grandmother, my three times great grandmother, was her one of her older sisters. Uh, that was sold into slavery, leaving her infant child, you know, which was just born. Uh, so that child, uh, Aunt Harriet, took to um, Auburn, well, to Canada, then to Auburn, New York, and 
and then she had my great grandmother and so on and so forth. <laughs> okay, and um we know that Harriet Tubman's birthday is often celebrated on or the official date might be March tenth. Uh but um you're gonna be doing something as you've been doing every year for a while now. DC Harriet Tubman Day. So let's start out with what is happening this Saturday at Westminster Church, uh, which is uh, most listeners know that we call it the Jazz Church on uh, I Street Southwest. Tell us what's happening, Tina. Okay. Well, actually, Joni, um, March 10th is her death date, uh, oh, okay. 1913. Uh, but her we found out also that her birth date may be the end of February or some part of the first part of March. Um, so we found that through a um, midwife bill. So oh, okay. uh, we celebrate March 10th. Uh, and that started with uh, the elder uh, President uh, Bush, who proclaimed in a 1993 proclamation that, you know, to celebrate her her death date, uh, March 10th. But I normally have mine some, any, anywhere between the 1st of March and March 10th uh, during that week uh, because there's so many festivities going on down in Cambridge as well. Uh, so I want people to be able to come to this one as well as go to that one. So um, yeah. now, uh, as for, as far as... Uh, DC's uh, uh, Harriet Tubman Day. Uh, we're we have we're having that this year, March second, Saturday. Uh, doors open up at one thirty. Uh, refreshments will be served, uh, and the program is from two to four thirty. And um, you know, I, and I'm looking forward to. Uh, it's going to be a great program. Uh, the MC will be Jessica Faith from NBC Four. Um, this year, and um, we're going to have uh, 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 Lieutenant General uh, Scott Dingle, uh, just retired Surgeon General uh, uh, with the um, Army and also with um, the Washington Revel, uh, the Washington Revel Jubilee Singers. And I think a lot of people may know of them. They're uh, an a cappella group who who sings, uh, and they and they use period costumes uh, uh, while they're singing. So you know, not only do you get to hear them, you get the words spoken by them as well, but you also get to see how it might have looked uh, during that time period when they when 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 they're singing those songs. Uh, and we're also going to have. Wait, wait, no. say, say their name again, Tina. The name of the the group. The group, the yes. uh, Washington Revels, R E V E L S, Jubilee Singers. Okay, and I know. I've, if you I've go to their that. website, you'll see all the things that they do. Uh, it's not. Marco, I'm on the radio. Uh, oh, Chuck, please mute yourself. Please <laughs> mute yourself. <laughs> Washington <laughs> Revels, Jubilee Singers. They're, they're really fabulous. So look yeah, them up, are. but better than not come out in person to hear them. Um, yeah. But we're so, also going to have um, uh, Dr. Etta Fields Black. Uh, she just wrote a book, and it's called Combi. Uh, it's about Harriet Tubman and a lot of the descendants uh, that were freed um, in the Gullah you know, in the Gullah Geechee area uh, during the Civil War. Uh, so she'll have, you know, she's going to talk about her book. She'll also have books there uh, that are for sale and that uh, she will also sign as well. And then we're going to so, have wait, dancers wait, 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 and wait, we're just going to have a good time celebrating her and educating people about her role in the Civil War. Yes, I want to say I'm so excited about coming and hearing about this book. I believe this is the first book that really focuses, as you just said, Tina, on your on Harriet's role in the Civil War. So um, I'm, I'm really excited to hear her, to get a copy of that book, 
and hopefully in the future we'll have her her on. But that that's really going to be exciting to hear her as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you and, know, there's uh, a lot of things that uh, you know they because they wanted to say uh, you know different people wanted to say oh well she wasn't there or anything like that, but in her book she shows you know it can prove that. Uh, that she was there. Absolutely. Absolutely she was. And that's a very important uh, role that she played. You know, we hear about the people that she helped escape through the Underground Railroad, but uh, the role in, I think it's often said, she helped to free over 700 people in, with the Civil civil War. Yeah, approximately 750 uh, yeah. were freed as they went down the the Combi River, and mm-hmm. um, and they just came running, uh, you know, from the plantations and, uh, you know, wanted to get on board of the of uh, one of uh, Lincoln's gunboats, you know, what she was standing on. So yeah, um, yeah, but they, yeah. they got out. They got out. Yes, they did, and um. So, listeners, if you have children, if you know young people that you can bring on Saturday, that would be fabulous, uh, yeah. as well as, as everybody. I want to I I add to that, Joy. I'm glad you said that, uh, mm-hmm. because I just posted on, I don't usually go on Facebook, but I posted the program, uh, the flyer, but I also made a post about, because there's so much going on trying to take away our history from the schools and other places and things like that. And and the way I feel about it is that, you know, years ago, especially when I was growing up, you know, our history was not taught in the schools there. And then as well, uh, very rarely would you see that. But well, where we got our history from was from our homes. We got them from right. our churches. And we got them from, uh, you know, when the, when, when during the uh, 60s, where the African cultural, African-American cultural centers started uh, popping up. They taught the African and the African-American history. So what I'm saying about this is that uh, things like the program I'm having, all the black history programs, things that Chuck puts on and Frank and uh, at the Civil War, going to the museums, the African-American museums and things that relate that's where our children can and 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 parents can pick up the history and 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 also learn it but you have to take your children there and that's our responsibility so whether they have african american history and our part in the role in america being taught in schools or not it you know our children can still get it absolutely if we take them to those programs and to the museums and teach them Absolutely. And I would say all children and, and Tina, as you very well know, I'm always telling you, my mother started talking to me about Harriet Tubman when I was a baby and she used yeah. to take us to the Underground Railroad sites. So we didn't we knew that the schools weren't that would be the last thing these schools would have done even right. now. So we so Tina is right. Please bring the young people that, you know, uh, as many young people as, as you can should be coming out on Saturday. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful program. Um, and this, this year, the ROTC, the presenting and the clo- and the retiring of the colors is going to be done by, um, I think the name of the school now, I forgot, it's Wilson, but it's called okay. the... Right, the, the Reed, uh, Jackson Reed, is it? Reed, Jackson Reed, yes. Yes. Yeah, and their Ooh. junior ROTC is going to, is going to perform that. Okay, great. So you have young... children participating in the program as well as the dancers. Absolutely, and yeah. so this that this coming Saturday, March second, uh, the program starts at two, but you can come at one thirty. It goes till four, and that is at four thirty. It goes to four thirty. 430, yeah. and that is at Westminster Church, which is 400 I Street Southwest, right? Uh, people maybe know that it's just about two or three blocks from the Green Line Metro. You can park, although parking is a little tight these days there. But uh, I hope to see a lot of you, and a lot of you can meet Tina 
and it's going to be a very um, uplifting and important event. But we also want to let people know that the following week in Cambridge, and as many of you know, uh, well, you can you can share, Tina. First of all, tell people uh, what is there in Cambridge that relates to Harriet Tubman. Well, it's where she was born, um, and she was born in Peter's Neck, Maryland, uh, which is outside of Cambridge. But the fascinating thing about that is that uh, it's pretty much untouched uh, from when she was there. So it looks just like it was almost when she was there. Um, you know, they the 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 the, uh, uh, the different buildings and sites. The, uh, the Harriet Tubman um, Visitor Center, Underground Railroad Visitor Center, which opened in 2017. Uh, that's open now, and that's out there in Church Creek, Maryland. And uh, they have, uh, and they have many programs out there. Uh, and they also have um, the exhibits that tell her story. Uh, and this week, uh, well, the March 9th on Saturday, March 9th. Uh, they're going to have a special uh, 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 event happening in the morning before the afternoon event. The, the morning event starts at 11, and that is the U.S. Postal Service uh, remembers the shining beacons of the Underground Railroad on New Forever Stamps, which mm. Aunt Harriet is a part of that. So there are approximately, I think there's 10 of them that be, will be um, unveiled. And so that will happen. You have to make, uh, they're suggesting that you RSVP if you want to attend that ceremony. And uh, you can do that at usps.com forward slash underground railroad. And then in the afternoon uh, at around one o'clock, uh, they will start their usual uh, Harriet Tubman uh, day program uh, that they usually have every year. And uh, you'll also be able to see this, the the uh, the Revel, Washington Revel singers out there as well. Oh, yeah. So you can get a double dose. You come to mine and you go to theirs and you'll see both. Uh, Absolutely. Both times. And I want to urge It'll be a great time. Yes, I want to urge listeners to even if you, especially if you have not yet been to that area, you do really feel Harry Tubman's spirit there quite a bit. Yeah. And it's a wonderful yeah. museum. Uh, the National Park Service, as Tina just said, opened it in 2017 with a big celebration. But it's going to be a very moving and inspiring day there on March 9th. So if you could make it out there, uh, I know our, our friends, the twins, Sharon and Karen, are taking a bus load, but hopefully you can find your way uh, up there. It's, it's, it's very, very inspiring. And again, a very important place to bring uh, young people as well. And they don't have many spaces left, Joni. Uh, when, I, when I saw her on um, no, uh, no, Sharon, she I said that they don't have not. many spaces left, so better hurry no, up. No, I know. No, no, no. We're not even giving that information out because... Uh, there's no not enough <laughs> room, but we're we need to make room now for for Chuck and Frank Smith. But Tina, we're so happy you could join us today, and we look forward to seeing you on Saturday, this coming Saturday, March second, one thirty at Westminster Church. The doors open. The program starts at two p.m. and goes to four thirty. It will be an inspiring event. It'll be very positive, fun, and important. So be there and bring your children. Any final final words, Tina, before we move on to celebrating Chuck? Come and learn, participate in African American history. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Tina. I'll see you on Saturday. All right. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, as we welcome uh, Chuck on, uh, maybe, Mike, you could play the Sojourner's Truth. Yes.
for you and me. We are fighting for the Lord. Creation to a rebel father and a white man ever saw as we go marching on. Look there above that center where the flag is waving bright. We are going out And welcome, Chuck Hicks. Happy birthday to you. Thank you, Joni. Thank you. (laughs) That is a perfect way to welcome Chuck Hicks on for his birthday celebration. He loves that song, as I do. And, of course, that song symbolizes a lot of what Chuck Hicks' life has been about. Right, Chuck? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So, um... I'm very excited, and if, if someone let me know if Frank if Frank is on yet with us. Yes, I um, am. Oh, welcome, Frank. I'm so happy you're there. So uh, we're going to be celebrating Chuck for the rest of the hour, and Chuck's going to be telling some of his, his stories about the highlights of his life, which is truly amazing. Uh, but, Frank, you why don't you um, say a few words about, about Chuck and, and, and why he's your good friend and why he's so important to us in the community. Well, first of all, let me say happy birthday to Chuck. I missed his uh, big event last weekend, but Chuck is like me. You know, we celebrate three or four or five days, sometimes the whole month. So I knew I had still had a chance to say hello uh, hello, and thanks and, and happy birthday. And, and, and Frank, 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 just let me say that to, tonight, and we're going to be talking about this at the end of the show, Chuck is being honored at Arena Stage, 7 p.m. tonight. It's a free event, uh, the whole two hours honoring Chuck at 7 p.m. So he'll, he's still celebrating now, Frank. <laughs> well, I know. I'll be there tonight, too, to, 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 to say happy birthday to him one more time. But but I would like to just also say that uh, I'm, I'm a little older than Chuck. Not by much, but a little bit older. And... Uh, I, I know from experience, because we've talked about this many times together, that we don't take it for granted, this uh, long life that we've uh, uh, been allowed to live. Having grown up in the deep south, Chuck and, and Louisiana and me in Georgia, having seen a lot of clan activity, a lot of house burning, a lot of people being brutalized, and still being able to come in a, in a young life, really, in our 20s, to Washington, D.C., uh, where Chuck has been able to make a name for himself. Uh, he's known here as Mr. Black History. And I think everybody in Washington knows that now. <laughs> when you say Mr. Black History, that's Chuck Hicks. Because uh, he made a name for himself for doing all these various events. And so I'm just happy to be his friend. I'm glad to be uh, spared one more time to be able to say happy birthday to him. And uh, look forward to many more. Absolutely. And in a few minutes, we're going to play that happy birthday song. But Chuck, uh, we're we're so excited to be celebrating your birthday, and we're going to kind of quickly go through some highlights of your life, which some people may not know. Um, and, of course, we can start in, in Bogalusa. You've, you've shared many times, and we've spent hours on the air talking about your dad, the founder of Deacons for Defense, founded it on the day that Malcolm X was killed. And we've talked about what happened to your family which, which, if you want to just summarize in in a minute, but we also have not heard, and you just told me the other day about what happened to you when you tried to uh, start college uh, in in Louisiana. So, anyway, welcome, Chuck. Happy birthday! Thank you, thank you. So, um, give us just one sentence because uh, we've we've talked about it a lot about Bogalusa and your dad, but then jump right into what happened when you tried to start college. You, 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 you were the first person in your family to attend college. But, but tell us what happened uh, just briefly with your dad and the deacons. Well, my dad and my mom were both my heroes and sheroes. They were just an incredible uh, couple. And, of course, I think... Uh, that my mom was the backbone for my dad. That she encouraged him, and he turned to her for advice all the time. 
uh, but she was the encouraging one in the family, pushing all of us uh, to go further and to do more. I had, um, from growing up, from, from my earliest remembrance, I knew I was going to college. There was never any doubt that I was going to college. I would be the first one in my family. And I had been at Southern for about two years, and the Peace Corps volunteers came on. But during that time, I, there had been a boycott in Bogalusa on the stores. Uh, and people, my dad and them organized uh, um, drives, uh, food drives to take them to other parts of the uh, parish to buy groceries and food and not shop in Bogalusa. And, and why after was about there a six boycott, months, Chuck, it began to, to cripple Chuck, why was there a boycott? The Can you why hear me? Was, yes, I'm asking you, why was, tell people why there was a boycott. Huh? Why was there a boycott in Bogalusa? Oh, because they were, they were demanding jobs uh, in uh, J.C. Penney's and the grocery stores and uh, hiring people in City Hall and getting black policemen and firemen and all of that. And so that the boycott had gone on for about six months, and the Chamber of Commerce went to the mayor and asked the mayor to call the governor to put an end to it. So the governor put my dad and A.Z. Young down and said he wanted a cooling off period. And when they said no, uh, to make a long story short, uh, the, the governor struck out at my dad by striking out at me because I was at Southern. So in the middle of the night, uh, the dean, man, dean of men called me in and said, you know, we got these Peace Corps volunteers and you been you and a couple of other people have been having uh, uh, dinner with them uh, and we're concerned about problems. So I don't, we don't want any problems. So we took sure that we didn't, we just have dinner and we sat on the quad and that was it. And as we were leaving, the dean of men said, Mr. Hicks, I need you to stay. He said, you're the rain leader of this and to break, not to make sure that this continues, uh, I, I am going to, exp uh, I am dispelling you. Mm -hmm. and I said, right, Dean Jones. He said, no, I'm serious. I said, right, serious. And he held up the paper and he said, um, you are being expelled as of now. He said, the only thing that I can do for you, Mr. Hicks, is that I can let you withdraw. And if you withdraw, this your record will not follow you. And later I understood that it was not his decision, because he, he part probably to get me, let me withdraw rather than be expelled. So I had to call my parents in the middle of the night around 6.30 and say that I'm being kicked out of school and I have two and a half hours to get everything on off the campus there to say troopers are going to come and put it on the side of the road. And I had no idea what was going on. I was simply devastated. Uh, and I think that if I had thought about suicide, I would have considered it. I, did, I wouldn't have done it, but it would have crossed my mind as an option. And so my parents, don't worry, we'll be there. And they drove like hell to get me there, and they get me there on time. And so as I'm packing my clothes and everybody's coming saying, what's going on, Chuck? What's happening? I said, I don't know, except I'm being kicked out. And so that was the beginning of one of the most devastating experiences in my life. Mm. I will never, ever forget. And this is the first uh, time I'm hearing time you tell the story. Then, John, I can hardly hear you. Okay. Keep, keep going. I said I never heard that story before. Yeah, and so we got home, and then it was a double whammy because I came home two weeks before Easter break. So everybody knew I was home and wanted to know what had happened. And while we were involved in the civil rights movement, there were lots of people in town that did not like us, didn't care for us. So this was, um, see, they got that Hicks boy, and he said, he's out of school. He must have done something over there. And so I felt that I had let my family down. Even in high school, when uh, back then, when uh, you got to be a senior, you, know, you were a black man, boy, uh, the Army came around and he took a test uh, for the Army. And when they asked me to take the test, I wouldn't take it. And, and the sergeant said, he was why he said, why aren't you taking this test, boy? And I, I said, because I'm going to college. And he, I wouldn't take it, so he went and got your principal. And Mr. Crump said, Brother Hicks, why are you not taking a test? I said, because I'm going to college, so there's no need for me to take it. So I had all those kinds of things. And then I was facing that I had let myself down, not myself, but my family, 
my community, and but my parents were not discouraged. They understood what was going on. And my mother said, well, one thing for sure, he's got to go to college. And we can't send him to here. And I couldn't afford, they couldn't afford a, a, a state, a private school. They said, but if we send him to any school in the South, the governor's going to track him. And they're going to be go to Tennessee State. They're going to call the governor and say, you got that Hicks boy there? You know, his family's causing a lot of trouble. We kicked him out and you need to do the same. And so finally they decided that uh, my dad had relatives in New York and my mom had relatives in New Jersey and that was where I was going to go. And so uh, they put me on the bus uh, around Easter and shipped me off to New York and New Jersey. And I was going to go to Hunter College, but there was a program uh, uh, that uh, CORE had started and they were looking for bright students in the East and they would send them, they would get them, they were going to go to school, but they found them and got them in better schools. And the deal was that if they, if it was, if they, it was about 22 people in the program, but if a college took you, he had to give you, they had to give you a four year ride. And so uh, they told me about it. I called the guy and the program had closed, but every bugaloose was all over the news. And so he interviewed, I knew he was interviewing me, asking a lot of questions. He said, well, let me see what I can do. Two days later, he called back and said, we, we're going to let you into the program. And then, so I went to summer school at Brandeis. It was interesting because mm -hmm. Brandeis at the time, uh, Angela Davis mm -hmm. was there. She wasn't on campus for the summer, but she was, there. she was in school there. And so finally, they were looking for a school for me. And they were having a problem finding a school. So the guy, Everett Mackin, came and said, Mr. Hicks, where would Chuck, where would you like to go to school? I said, I don't know, someplace like Syracuse. I have no idea how Syracuse <laughs> came into my head. I don't even know if I knew about Syracuse. Mm -hmm. uh, and he said, you're in luck. The guy I know who's a good friend is the best friend with the chancellor. He's a real good guy. He's the most popular guy on campus. And uh, they called him up, and they called me a day later and said, Syracuse is going to take you. And when mm -hmm. I got to Syracuse, I got there three days before orientation. And when I met Dr. Sawyer, he said, I think you might like this book. And he gave me Manchild in the Promised Land as a wow. book to read. And that was the beginning of my going to Syracuse. <laughs> and, of course, you've talked on the airwaves, which we won't have time to, to do it today, but... Then when you were giving a, a talk, and uh, who was there but Fannie Lou Hamer, who encouraged you to throw down your papers and just talk from your heart. Oh, yeah. And, uh, My dad was uh, supposed yeah. to go on a speaking tour, uh, Sister Hamer, but there were a lot of the marches, protesters, arrested, so he had to stay uh, to help get him mm -hmm. out of jail. But he said, I got a son in New York. He can speak. <laughs> and so I got to Hunter College, and we were backstage, and I said, Miss Hamer, you got your speech ready? She said, oh, son, I don't need no speech. I just tell her <laughs> what's going on. So I spoke first, and I had my little speech, and I got my papers mixed up, and I started to get lost. She said, boy, put those papers down and tell them what they're doing to your family in, in Bogalusa. And so I did that, and from then, from then on, I've been on the road. That's right, and from... <laughs> We're going to take a little minute uh, at Chuck's request to play a little uh, happy birthday music. By, of course, uh, none other Jonah, than Could I just ask Chuck one question before we start the music? What year was it that you started at Syracuse, Chuck? Do you remember? Uh, about 65, 64, 65. Okay. I'm always trying to place people because I, I was in Mississippi during those years. and uh, But let, let me say one other thing about Syracuse, too. Oh wait, 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 Chuck, Frank. Let, let's because we ha this is a little break in our talk, so let's just hear a little bit of Stevie Wonder.
Okay, and this is a special show. Wishing Chuck Hicks a happy birthday. Uh, okay, Frank, keep going. Yeah, I was just curious about what year it was because uh, all the civil rights groups had an arrangement with these colleges and universities, and uh, they could people like us who got kicked out of school. Uh, I, I managed to withdraw from Morehouse before I got kicked out, so I, so I didn't uh, I didn't have to I didn't go through that. But uh, but but I, I think, and I may, and maybe Louisiana, I think, was the only state that did this. They banished. They not only threw people out of school like Trump. They banished you from the state. You could not attend another university in that state for life. And mm. uh, it was, it was, uh, and I will say one other thing about Louisiana too, Chuck. I never told you this, but but we had a, a guy, one of our civil rights workers who got arrested there in, in, in a factory in New Orleans or some kind of a sit-in. They sent him to that, that prison there in Louisiana, that, that notorious prison yes. in Angola. Mm -hmm. Angola, I believe it is. Yes, they, Angola, right. Yeah. They gave him 15 years because because we had had, had helped some high school kids march in a demonstration. So they locked they, they locked most of us up for parading without a permit. But they managed to get him for contributing to the delinquency of a minor because the kids were all 14 and 15 years old. They sent him to Angola, and the only time I ever went to that prison was when I went over to visit him. It was awful to see this uh, place and to see somebody sitting there who was uh, who didn't know when he was going to get out. And he stayed in there for a long time. He may be the longest serving SNCC person that served more time than anybody in the civil rights movement than SNCC, I know for sure. That's why I and what was his name? Uh, What's his Diamond. name? Okay, Dion, maybe you Dion, Yeah. Dion yeah. Yes, and, and you know, Frank, all day uh, Wednesday we're going to be celebrating SNCC and Dory Ladner, so maybe you can come on with us again on Wednesday because this is very, very important history that yep. people should know but we we and we have to keep moving with chuck's life and one thing that i didn't even wasn't aware of is chuck's role once he came to dc of course he did many many things but i want to make sure we talk about the role that chuck played in the million man march uh so chuck tell us that story uh how ben well, chavis uh-huh uh I, Marion Barry had endorsed the Million Man March. So he got all the union leaders, most of the union uh, leaders were black in D.C., uh, except for maybe the fire department and the police. But all other unions in D.C. were black. Uh, and so uh, we got up, we endorsed the march, and he had all us there to, to endorse uh, the march. And I got up and I said that I was from... Bogalusa, Louisiana, and that was a place where the deacons of defense and justice was started. And I spoke about the importance of the Million Man Marching. After that, Ben Chavis came up, Dr. Chavis came up and said, oh, man, I know all about the deacons. I know about your dad. He said, I want you to speak at the Million Man March. As a matter of fact, I want you on the committee. And so I sat on the, on the steering committee. When Minister Farrakhan came in and all of that, I was there. But what and, I did do was, the honor was that I was able, I was in charge of coordinating all the unions who came from all over the country uh, to be a part of the march. I was a coordinator for that, uh, which was a great, great honor. And uh, I got to speak at the Million Man March. And it was mostly one of the high points uh, that I should always remember because there were, as a march out for a while, it didn't look like it was going to happen. But within three weeks, we it just started like a, a tidal wave. People started calling and calling and calling. And we were open from like, we worked from 7 in the morning to probably 12, 1 o'clock at night. And the phone was constantly ringing with people wanting to come. And then if you were a council member from uh, someplace in Connecticut, they called and said, well, a Councilman Brown is coming from uh, Connecticut. He wants to be on the program. I mean, everybody who you could think of were, uh, wanted to be on the program this week, and it just was not possible. Uh, so I felt incredibly honored, uh, not only to serve on the committee, because most of the people on the committee did not speak. Uh, it was yes, and, 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 and Chuck, tell us at that point, because one, another one of your, the highlights in your life is that you were the president of Ask Me, the American Federation of State County and Municipal Employees, D.C. Council 20, 
which re- which is the largest union in the D.C. area, and you were have were president at some point. Were you already well, I'll, involved with that? I I served not for a moment or two. I served as executive director. I served as a political action director, which I think was a big key point because anybody who got elected in the city, Council 20 got them elected, including Mary and Barry, when he ran for uh, city council, including Frank Smith, when he ran for city council. And so we, we did all of that. The thing that I am most proud about is that when the mayor... They were after the mayor because they had too many city employees. And the Congress is demanding that he cut back 3,000 employees. And we had a meeting with him. And through Dennis Houlihan, and uh, we worked out a deal that we presented to Marion Barry and said, if you don't lay off any of the workers, because we knew if you were going to lay off 3,000 employees, 75% of them would be frontline workers. We said that this is what we'll do. We'll take a furlough day, one day every day uh, for every month, three times, four days a month. And then we'll take, we had just got a, a, a an increase, a wage increase, and we will drop, we will give up our wage increase if you keep all the employees on. And that's, this is the first place in the country where rollback started and furloughs they started. We started that to save employees jobs. And he did it. And he made a commitment that when the city got some money, he would reinsure our 3%. And he did. Uh, so um, the union has been always been such a strong. As a matter of fact, Eleanor Holmes Norton, when she was running, says today that if it had not been for Council 20, who uh, had a, a lot of members of more seven and eight, she never would have gotten elected. Because Betty Ann came wow. was leading her. And after wow. Council 20 turned out the members, the majority of members in Ward 7 and 8, and Eleanor became the Congresswoman. Wow, and AFSCME DC 20 was, was very much there at the Million Man March. Oh, right, yeah. Right, Chuck? Yeah. Well, we played host to all, we played host to all the unions coming in. We had our, our council office open, and when they came in, we had uh, food and uh, coffee, donuts, and everything, and then we had a stand set up for them on the ground. So, yeah, uh, wow. we were very, very happy and pleased to be the host committee for all the unions who came from all over the country. Uh, wow, that is really exciting. That is really exciting. That's something we need to say often, Chuck. <laughs> often. But the only one, that, uh, one of the interesting things to highlight also for me was that after getting to Syracuse, I became the first black student body president. As a matter of fact, I became president of the union, of the student union as a junior and, mm. and the first black. But uh, being president of Syracuse, student body president of Syracuse University, two things happened. One is that the night before our campaign was to start, uh, we, were doing, we were rehearsing our speeches and somebody came in and called my campaign manager and said something to him. He called my vice president, then he called his secretary, then they called the whole team. Then they came over to me and said, Chuck, we don't know how to tell you this except to say that Dr. King has been assassinated. So the day before I was to start my campaign, uh, Dr. King was assassinated. So I just said I wouldn't campaign until after their services. So when I wouldn't do it, my, my slate said they wouldn't do it. And then the other slate said they wouldn't, they wouldn't campaign either. Uh, until after King's services. And of course, I won soon by the president. Uh, Syracuse is asking me for my papers. Uh, about a, almost a year ago, I met the new chancellor, and he asked me what was it like to be student by the president. And I said, it was the best of times and the worst of times. I was the first black. I have to start the Black Student Union. Uh, we had only 40, 45, 50 students when I came to Syracuse. But uh, being a student body president was not an easy job because I had black students who do, who demanded things of me. And we had a black student union and there were things that they were doing that as student body president, I should not have been able to do. I was a student body president. Then there were, of course, there were whites who didn't want me to be president. So it was not an easy job being the first. <laughs> uh, there was 
uh, tension on both sides, but it was a wonderful experience. And it's something I learned from, but it was not uh, cake and honey, by no means. <laughs> yes, and, and we're listening to Chuck Hicks, uh, who, of course, is our co-host, uh, but also is, we're honoring him for his birthday, and uh, joined by Frank Smith, uh, who's a SNCC veteran, of course, founder of the African-American Civil War Museum, city council person, and much, much more. In a moment, we're going to talk about the special event tonight at Arena Stage. And I don't know if Selma Jones is on yet. If she's not, maybe Mike could give her a call. But um, let's keep going. We have about five minutes left. Um, Of course, Chuck, we're glad to hear about Bogalusa. We're glad to hear about Syracuse and the Million Men March. But we have a minute or two. And, and Ask Me, and of course, Ask Me represents many, many different workers in, in the D.C. area, including sanitation workers. And that's how I first met Chuck, was at a big rally that we PFW had with sanitation workers. And there was Chuck standing out in the crowd. That's how Chuck and I met. <laughs> so, yes. Um, yeah, so um, uh, Thelma is on, and she's going to talk in, in a minute about what's happening tonight. But just, just share one other sentence or two uh, about Ask Me. And of course, we know that Chuck also founded uh, the, the um, Bread for the Soul organization where he has events every, every Christmas season and, and collects books and toys for children, especially children with HIV. Chuck played a major role in the HIV epidemic uh, and of course has, is, is Mr. Black History. But just give us one minute about uh, Ask me, Chuck, before we move on to Thelma. I, you know, I come out of a union family. My dad was president of the union in Bogalusa. And uh, the things that I have been able to do, uh, the union has, and not only Council 20, but union members from the teachers uh, to the uh, Teamsters, all of the unions have been very, very supportive in terms of the many issues and things that uh uh, were about that we that I was interested in doing in terms of black history, but also uh, we have been able to keep workers working in the city, uh, and I am grateful that I was able to be a part of that. I'm grateful for the leadership today that continues to struggle. Being in the union is not an easy job, oftentimes mm-hmm. because sometimes people forget how they got to be, how. Their children, the children of union leaders of where they are because of the unions. I'm so oftentimes reminded that it's people because of the unions that were able to send their kids off to college, to send them to graduate school and do all these different things. And when I hear people start talking about they don't believe in unions, I say if it hadn't been for the union, you wouldn't have been in college. You wouldn't be that teacher. You wouldn't be that lawyer. You wouldn't be that doctor. You know, the union is a backbone. of workers. And as my dad says, there's never a better friend than a union. Frank and I can be the best of friends and he can be a supervisor. And if the, uh, the other manager said, I want you to fly to kicks, he has to do it. If he doesn't do it, he'll yeah. fire him and get somebody else to do it. But yeah. if we have a contract, Frank can yeah. say, I can't fire him. He's got a contract. Okay, Chuck. Um, union I, 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 saves the workers and the contract. That's important. That's our life, our lifeline. Absolutely, it is. And of course, in this country, they don't want you. They're going to do everything they can to make sure we don't uh, lift up the unions. But we're very proud of you, Chuck. And um, we we almost out of time now, Thelma. I'm sorry to bring you on so late, but tell us very quickly. You're only giving Chuck three minutes, so I'm going to give you one minute <laughs> to tell us what's happening. Uh, Chuck is going to be speaking tonight at the arena stage. So welcome, Thelma. Tell us what's happening tonight and how people can come. Thank you, Joni. And it was an honor to hear all about Chuck's life again as well. So tonight at arena stage, located at 1101 um, 6th Street, we will have the Southwest Neighborhood Assemblies. History Task Force Black History Celebration. We are pleased to honor Chuck as our inaugural outstanding community leader. 
So this will be tonight at 7 p.m. again at Arena Stage. And our guest speaker for the program will be Carol Moonen, who is a film producer, playwright, and a community leader among other great con um, achievements. And okay. we'll also have um, greetings from our council member, Charles Allen. The event is free and open to the public. We're happy that Arena Stage is hosting us and Arena Stage new artistic director, uh, Hannah uh, Sharif will be there also to give opening remarks along with a list of other wonderful performers, dramatic and choral, including the Richard Wright dancers, performers oh, wow. Cecily and Melanie Bates. Wow. Thank you so much, Thelma, for putting this together. I'm so sad I'm, I'm in New York, but I'll be there in spirit. That's seven o'clock tonight at Arena Stage, which people know is in Southwest DC. Uh, and so I'm hoping a lot of listeners can come. Uh, Frank, if you're still there, you can, you can give one final word and of course, Chuck, a final word as well. Is Frank well, still looking, on? I'm, uh -huh. I'm looking forward to this uh, great coronation tonight, Thelma. I certainly will be there because uh, I wouldn't miss this for the world. Uh, as I said earlier, we don't shouldn't take it for granted that we're going to be able to see 80 and 85, especially black men, you know, uh, especially us. We, we, we've had all the history of, in addition to the to all of the sheriffs and the, and the, and the hangman's nooses that we've avoided as civil rights workers, we also have to live with all of the other things, the high blood pressure and diabetes and all that. So for us to get to be 80 years old, it's a blessing. And so, Chuck, I, I'm, I, I'm happy to celebrate with you because... You've done a great job in life, and the Lord has spared you. And so it's a blessing to always see you. I'll see you tonight. Thank you. Chuck, have a wonderful celebration tonight. And um, in a minute, we're going to go out with the Freedom Highway song, which is another one of Chuck's favorites. Of course, Chuck and Frank and many of us are on this Freedom Highway. We're going to be celebrating SNCC. Uh, Dory Ladner, our Dory, Dory Ladner, Chuck and I are and Frank are very, very close friends with Dory, uh, who's ha having some major health challenges. We're going to be celebrating her all day Wednesday as we celebrate PFW's 47th anniversary from 5 a.m. till midnight. Chuck, your final words real quick. Well, I certainly am grateful for the opportunity to talk a little bit about the things that have gotten me where I am today. And I am appreciative of all the people who believe that I can do and support me and push me in. Uh, okay. It's because of you that I'm able to do the things that I do. So I salute all my friends and supporters and people who do the things that I do. That I'm not the only one out here doing it. And so my hat's off to everybody who takes one step towards making life better for other people. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck. And we want to thank our wonderful engineer, Magic Mike, as well as Mari, who helps us. And thank you, Frank and Thelma and uh, everybody. We're very proud of Chuck Hicks. Here we go on the Freedom Highway. We'll see you again on Wednesday. social justice issue or movement can escape the spotlight of the Latino Media Collective. The Latino Media Collective delivers consequential coverage from the biggest countries in South America 
to the smallest enclaves of Central America and the Caribbean and is available on SoundCloud, iTunes Podcast, and Google Play Music. The Latino Media Collective is recorded in WPFW Studios and airs Fridays at 1 p.m. on WPFW Washington. Celebrating 20 years, the New African Film Festival presented by AFI and Africa World Now Project brings the vibrancy of African filmmaking from all corners of the continent and across the diaspora to the DMV at the AFI Silver Theater and Cultural Center in downtown Silver Spring from March 15th to the 28th. The festival features 26 films from 16 countries, including three years' premieres and discussions with filmmakers. Explore the diversity of new filmmaking from Africa at the 2024 New African Film Festival. Tickets and full schedule at afi.com forward slash silver. That's afi.com forward slash silver. Or call 301-495-6700. 301-495-6700. WPFW, building a better world, one broadcast at a time. Peace, everyone. I'm Brother Jamil, and in the Yardbird Suites tradition established by our dear brother Askia Muhammad, we continue every Tuesday morning from 5 to 8, playing some things you've never heard before and also playing some old favorites. But we invite you to join us each and every Tuesday as we have an audio family reunion right here on WPFW 89.3. FM in Washington. Peace. This Wednesday, February 28th, WPFW celebrates 47 years of speaking truth to power, powered by the people. In celebration and commemoration of those whose shoulders this station stands on, we present Freedom Highway, a salute to SNCC, Dory Ladner, and 47 years of Jazz and Justice Radio. From 5 a.m. until midnight, we will illuminate and interrogate the work and legacy of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee and the pivotal role many SNCC members played in the creation of WPFW. We will also be honoring one of SNCC's beloved Daughters of the Movement, Dory Ladner. That's Freedom Highway, a salute to SNCC, Dory Ladner, and 47 years of Jazz and Justice Radio. This Wednesday, February 28th, 5 a.m. until midnight. WPFW, building a better world, one broadcast at a time. Imperialism through the neo-colonial dominated ECOWAS, economic community of West African states, is complicit in obstructing the duly elected PAI Tararanka coalition of Guinea-Bissau from its rightful place in the National People's Assembly. Turn out Monday, February 26, to demand that the National Assembly of Guinea-Bissau be opened and the democratically elected leadership be allowed to execute their people's mandate and revolutionary platform. That's Monday, February 26th at 12 noon at the African Union Representational Mission to the USA, 1640 Wisconsin Avenue, Northwest D.C. To find out more, go online to blackallianceforpeace.com slash events slash Open Guinea Bissau ANP. WPFW is your station for jazz and justice, building a better world one broadcast at a time. Hi, this is Robin Holden, the proprietor of Robin's Place. Every Friday evening from 7 until 10 p.m., Robin's Place is a mythical entertainment center consisting of four floors. On each floor of Robin's Place, we have rooms that are named after people who I think are icons in music, theater, and literature. We have the Nancy Wilson Room. 